Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by our returning guest today, David Jackson, the designer of Normie Generator and more world-building pamphlet games. Welcome. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Logar. Yeah, thanks mm-hmm. for having me on. And um, yeah, big fan of the show. I love the show. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I really do. It means a lot to me. Now, I want to talk about something specific here before we get started, because you were on before. We talked about Roguelike Dungeon, Roguelike Mega Dungeon. How has that gone since we've we've last talked? Roguelike Mega Dungeon isn't finished. It's, I would say it's mostly done, but it's kind of stuck in some of the finer things. And it's hard to say when it'll be released, but for, I guess, as a reward for, um, you know, the backers, mm-hmm. I guess, as a way to sort of promote the game in general, uh, there's this... Um, Mega Dungeon contest going on for 2023. You've probably heard of it. Um, I think the game yeah. designer of Mothership came up with the idea, and the idea is that you'll everybody is going to write a Mega Dungeon in uh, 2023. So, yes. I was thinking of using my generator to generate a full-on 365 room uh, Mega Dungeon. Uh, oh, cool! I like that. <laughs> and it should—it's kind of cheaty, honestly, because you know I spent all of 2022 developing the generator but i don't think it would take too long to generate it i haven't gotten too far on the actual mega dungeon yet but that's sort of what some of my um, more uh, immediate plans excellent that's good to hear now you've got something here for zine month going on the normie generator and more world building pamphlet uh, games. Now, could you tell us about what you, you got a couple of different pamphlets, correct? Yes, um, three pamphlets. Uh, so Normie Generator, uh, Alone in Jodo Mundi, and then Final Boss are the name of the, the names of the three games. Um, and they all have like a through line, which is that they're all hacks of um, a game written by Takuma Okada named uh, Alone Among the Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's a pretty huge amount of Alone Among the Stars hacks. Um, they're usually designated as like Alone at the Table. Takuma also, she's written a handful of hacks too, um, like Alone in the Ancient City, Alone in the Wilds, I think. There's a wilderness one also. Yeah, and I really like the um, kind of simple format for writing a journaling game using that system. So these three games are my three Alone at the uh, Table hacks that I've written kind of over the past three years or so. So they kind of like show, you know, the development of what I think you can do with these games too, which I kind of liked putting them together in that way. It made me um, look at them in a new light. Also, you know, I've been getting a little better at doing layout. You know, I've been messing around with indie games for a while. So um, I wanted to try and redo some of my old games as pamphlets. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, and, and they use public domain art by different artists in the, um, in the, the indie TTRPG scene. Art by uh, Evelyn Moreau, Kim Holm, and... Um, J.N. Butler. Three of these are the three different titles. There's the uh, Alone in, is that, Jum- how do you pronounce that? <laughs> Jodo Mundi. <Yeah. laughs> Jodo Mundi. Now, Jodo, yeah. I'm not, tell me a little bit more about Jodo, Jodo Mundi, because I'm not familiar with. Yeah, also Jodo Mundi is a, a city name that I made up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that you would know. Okay. It was actually written as um, a submission to a game jam that I hosted. Okay. Called uh, System Fictional Game Jam. The concept of the game jam was that you're supposed to write a game based on a rule system that doesn't exist or like a game that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a fantastical thing. I was sort of trying to, you know, talk about it to give people ideas. And one of the things I think is really thought provoking is like there's a, 
there's a South American magical realist uh, writer named um, Borges, and he's written a lot of weird magic fiction, and some of them include like fictional books in them, and he'll do like fictional book reviews and stuff. The idea was to just make up games that are attached to a game that doesn't exist. You know, I think it's really yeah. common these days for people to write like. Um, a Mork Borg hack or a Mork Borg module, you know, a Mothership module, a Liminal Horror, Karen, you know, so I thought it would be funny or interesting to have people write supplements for systems that don't exist to begin with. Now, I'm going to do a quick rewind. You talked about magical realism or magical yeah. realism is a a style, I guess, a genre of mm-hmm. literature that originates down in uh, Latin America, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, I, I, I It's some interesting stuff. It's different than what we normally get in the u.s but i think that there's elements of it that have maybe been influencing modern stuff here could you talk a little bit about uh, who was that you mentioned uh borges Borges. borges he's one of my favorite writers of all time i would say although i'm not super versed on the whole um, South American magical realism scene. Like, mm-hmm. it does seem like there's a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. I think maybe a more you know, well known touchstone would be something like um, Pan's Labyrinth. You know, some mm-hmm. of those movies have a bit of a magical realism vibe to them. And I think the idea is that they're set in the real world, right? Realism, but then magic kind of intrudes on it in different ways, sort of taking the level of like, you know, metaphors from everyday life manifest as magic. So it's, mm-hmm. yes, um, it can, you can be like really literary and interesting. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of uh, non South American magical realism authors too. Salomon Rushdie is quite well known. Um, Midnight's Children, also an amazing writer. Yeah. And like, yeah, stuff's set in the real world, set in the everyday, but then all these you know, forces that act us on us in, in everyday life take on this magical quality. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's a really cool genre to work in. So the other two uh, pamphlets that we're looking at is the Normie Generator and Final Boss. Yep. What can you tell us about those? Uh, Normie Generator was written for the Asian Cyberpunk Jam. I guess I was thinking a little bit how, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, the idea of like the great men of history theory, whereas like mm. history is written by only great men rather than the people or like, you know, people acting together in, in um, coordination. So um, I, I'm going to say that I, that's not a thing that I'm 100% okay. familiar with, but like when you say that, I think of things like, uh, like how history is written by kind of the people who are the dominators and who have won exactly. wars as opposed to like, and you get books like uh, the whole point of what Howard Zinn did with people's mm-hmm. history and a lot of the other books that started to follow that is writing history in the uh, perspective of the folks who are the, the people, the oppressed, the ones who had to live under those dominators, essentially. Is that on the, am I, am I catching kind of the vibe you're laying down? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's exactly. I think you did a really good job of explaining it, even if you haven't really heard of it too much, probably better than I could do. Um, but yeah, yeah, like stuff like Howard Zinn telling, you know, the other side of history. So Normie Generator is rather than about these heroes, you're writing about everyday people, normies, right? <laughs> I love that. I appreciate that. Power of the people. That's my yeah, favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, you know, I, you know, I play a lot of RPGs, but I like a lot of books too. And I, I think a lot of them more like, poignant especially short stories and stuff 
Yeah. They're about everyday people, right? They're not about heroes going out and doing super amazing stuff. I mean, that you know, action movies and stuff are fun <laughs> too. But you can have some really, you know, interesting, poignant stories about everyday people. And that's what Norman Generator tries to do. It's like it's basically you generated a normal with like really boring, like almost like gratingly boring hobbies and just stuff they're doing, just really normal everyday stuff. But then um the last table is sort of like the way that the they come into the cyberpunk city and it, it sort of grants them this transcendence from their everyday lives. And yeah, that's copied from, I think, you know, I don't read that many short stories now, but the, a lot of the types of stories I gravitated to uh, maybe 10 years ago or so when I was reading a lot of short stories had that quality. Like, um, uh, Raymond Carver is a, is an author who did that. He wrote these like super short kind of poetic short stories. He's known for, uh, I guess a collection called What We Talk About When We Talk About Love. Yeah, yeah. He just wrote down read stories about everyday people. And you said Raymond Carver? Uh yeah, I think that's the right name. <laughs> I that's that's I'm not familiar with uh-huh. it. I was I was clarifying. I'm hoping that others could <laughs> Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's Raymond Carver. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah, that's the first time there. I, I appreciate that. That's cool. I I'm gonna say this yeah, just thanks. as a side thing. When I got into role playing, I had I had this like I had this fantasy character growing up before I even started role playing, and he was Secret Agent Shane. He even had a theme song because my name is Shane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not really Logar. My actual given name is Shane, and Secret Agent Shane had a theme song. Was Secret Agent Shane? Secret. <laughs> we all know the song. <laughs> but uh, I remember there was a point in the '90s. I remember rolling up a character where I was like getting tired of constantly making because I made Secret Agent Shane in many variations That's when awesome. I first started playing. It was like powerful, and I'm the toughest, and I'm the I had to be heroic. And I remember just getting bored with that at some point in time. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to roll up this person who's an everyday person who's, who's not super powerful, who has to deal with these things. I remember the first character I rolled up like that with that in mind. So I really like that. I like that idea of the normie generator that really resonates with me. Those are the characters that I find interesting. Yeah. And like, it's also sort of a GM tool, right? Like if you're running a cyberpunk game, you have to populate you know, you're playing everything else. The players are the heroes and you're the villains and also the everyday people. So the idea is sort of to give you a tool for building your cyberpunk city and giving an idea of like, you know, how to flesh it out on its own. I guess sort of, I, I don't really, pop, you know, market it well, but I think the tagline for these three uh, games are like, rather than top down world building, it's inside out world building. Oh. So you like just inhabit the shoes of some everyday, no unimportant person in your cyberpunk mm-hmm. game and they, they walk around the city and see it from, you know, not the hero's eyes, but just from a, a, a like a normal, inoffensive perspective. And I think stories like that general people gravitate to, like even like uh, the way that people have been viewing superhero stories with things like the boys and then Marvel Comics put that mm-hmm. book uh, Marvels back in the 90s as well, where it was about a photographer who Got to see all these heroes popping out in front of oh, us. I think I heard about that. Yeah. It was a good book. Alex Ross did the art. One of the few books Alex Ross did art for. <laughs> but it was a brilliant book. And it was interesting because you're looking at the world through the eyes of just an everyday person who happens to just take pictures of these superheroes. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's, that stuff interests me. Now, on the other hand, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum is Final Boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. 
Um, <laughs> so final boss is right the third of the sets. I think it's the oldest one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written for a jam also. It was a, written for a faction jam. So I was trying to write like a faction building game that uses the alone at the table framework for it. Basically what you do is you take you take on the role of the final boss of the campaign, the big bad evil bad guy, and you go around and you kind of collect your evil minions and your evil plans. <laughs> um, and so you, as you go, as you journal through this game, you just go and visit your different assets, I guess, as the final boss. So this can kind of help you build out some villains and uh, opponents and, and issues and problems to throw at your players. I'm going to ask you a question. Could you expand a little bit on the alone at the table stuff? Because I'm like, I'm not too familiar. Could you t- what can you tell us about that? Because that's all. So alone at the table, it's a very simple system, right? It, it, I think the original games could fit into one of these pamphlets also. Mm-hmm. Just write a single page front and back. Basically, the first game, Alone Among the Stars, you're a, a star traveler and you go to a different planet and you draw a card and you use the, the suit and the number and then you also roll a six-sided die and you use that result to kind of give you what the encounter is that you come onto this, come across on this strange fam, uh, strange planet. Strange alien plant life or maybe some ancient structures. They're not like action-packed journaling games, right? They're reflective. And they give you the feeling that you're kind of making a travel guy, a travel log. Yes. Right? It's just like taking a little journey and writing about experiences around. And so, yeah, there's that. And alone, um, alone in the ancient city is actually the one that I really got into because it's more just like you're building a fantasy city. So any D and D game really, you can just be like, okay, I have this fantasy city in my campaign. Like, what is it like? I don't really know. You know, maybe I have all these tables for how many you know, butchers there are and how many alchemists there are in the city and the population. But like, I don't know what it feels like to walk in the streets of the city. So alone in the ancient city really can give you uh, the feeling that you're like exploring the neighborhoods and sort of the things that put the city into motion rather than the cold, hard, like statistics of the city. Um, so I really, yeah, I really fell in love with that idea as a sort of gm tool. now and that's one thing i've noticed like like between um roguelike dungeon and stuff like that is you, that a lot of the stuff you put out uh, would you say a lot of it seems to be geared towards that like gm tool type stuff you'd be great to use for prepping for game and kind of getting an idea of what you're putting out there before the boss or the normies or whatever come out of the dungeon they're kind of a a way to think through those things and a lot of the stuff you're putting, would you say I'm wrong or off or? Oh yeah. No, that's like, you know, if I had like one overall design mission, it would be that, that would be my agenda is to like subvert everything we know about game master prep and like gamify it all and make it fun. There, you know, there's some games that already do that. You know, there's plenty of people who do it really well better than me, but like the idea that game master prep is like this chore and the game master, the DM, right. It's not a player. You're like responsible for everyone having fun. And um, it's sort of like, you know, there's a stereotype of like the long suffering uh, forever GM or whatever, right? Yeah, I kind of just like want to work against that and make games that are fun and make GM prep fun. I, I appreciate that. That's a, that's, a, uh-huh. that's a great approach to making games. That's good. That's good. It's something that we can definitely use in the hobby. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm going to ask you, can you tell the listeners where they can pick up your stuff and where they can they can back where they can back these and and everything else and find you online? My itch itch.io is uh, proton31.itch.io. That's where I have all my games. Um, I'm on Twitter, proton_31. Um, and uh, my 
Kickstarter uh, probably is going to be ongoing when this airs. So yeah, <laughs> hopefully we can post the link in the, in the bio and stuff. I don't have Definitely. a link right now. Yeah, so we, we will have, by the time this goes live, there will be a link directly to the Kickstarter in the bio. Check it out, or in the show notes, check it out. You can click over there and, and, and go back that. Thank you for coming on again. It's been good getting a chance to catch up. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you. No doubt, no doubt. Always, always. Yeah. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon, and we could really use support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.